I'm your host, Dean Kadabowski, and we are about to talk to some really interesting people. Get ready. Are you ready? I, I'm ready. Are you ready? All right, let's go. <laughs> Live. Take two. <laughs> Hi, Melina. Hi, Dean. All right, really excited you could come in because Will's been talking nonstop about this <laughs> for fucking ever. So I'm wow. excited. I'm happy yeah. to be here. Thank you for having me. Okay, let's get right into it, though. Cool. Give me a little rundown. Reclaiming the Marbles. Yes. Yes. So... To really understand the controversy of the Parthenon marbles, if anyone ever calls them the Elgin marbles, they're wrong. They're the Parthenon marbles. So you have to go back to the 5th century BC. So, you know, Jesus has not walked the earth. Not yet. No. Uh, and democracy has not been invented. Okay. It's, it's just not a thing yet. This is back in the day. This is back in the day. And so, you know, you have all these empires, and they've got one big dog in charge, and pretty much everyone else is poor. And that's what you have going on in the Persian Empire. So no one really has rights. There's one person running the show. And at the time, Greece wasn't unified. There were different city-states, but Athens was starting to emerge. So they're starting to understand what democracy is. They're starting to figure this out. And then Persia invades. So they're like, we want Greece now. And Greece is like, not even really Greece quite yet. Um, so you have the Battle of Marathon. And at this point, so you have the Athenians and democracy is starting to take shape, but they're like, we can't take down the Persians. We don't have enough people. It was a gigantic empire. So they combined all the different city-states of Greece to come together as one Greek force. They were outnumbered by like twice as many soldiers. And then somehow, miraculously, they won. And this was crazy. I mean, this yeah. was never seen before. And... So then Pericles comes in. He's the dude that pretty much invented democracy. And this is after the Persian Wars, and they're like, we should celebrate this. I mean, this is a crazy dub for Greece. <laughs> so we're like, we need to celebrate this. And it was this sort of idea of, you know, democracy was this new sort of ideology and philosophy. And it was very symbolic for the Greeks to beat the Persians. And it was this sort of idea of, like, the Greek way is the right way. And so many people in the world, they don't understand this whole democracy thing. They don't get this rule by the people because they're used to this sort of monarchy idea. And so this was crazy. And they had a good amount of money since they weren't at war anymore. And Pericles said, why don't we just make the city beautiful? You know, why don't we build something to commemorate this victory? And so that was when the Periclean building program came in, which is when we see the Parthenon becoming what it is today. So it had kind of already existed because Greek cities had temples for their goddesses. So Athena was for Athens, and they were like, we should rebuild the Parthenon, give her this beautiful temple, and that's what they did. He completely solved unemployment with this. He put everyone in Greece to work. That's my president, yeah. For sure. Yeah. And he, like, <laughs> give me that. so many people were against it. They were like, what are we doing? Art doesn't matter. But he was a big patron of the arts. And so they solved unemployment, they put everyone to work, and they built what I believe to this day is some of the most beautiful and impressive artwork, and it probably always will be. Um, and it's, it's important to note that the point of the Parthenon and the point of the Acropolis was to celebrate the Greek philosophy of democracy. That's what it's about. I mean, this is a national symbol of Greek pride. It's nothing else. It's, this is about being Greek. And, uh, yeah, so that's how it came to be, mm -hmm. and... You know, now those marbles are in Britain. Okay. And tell me a little bit about Elgin and how they got yeah. there. Yeah. 
So you have this dude named Thomas Bruce, who is the British ambassador to the Ottoman Empire. And, you know, for context, the Greeks were taken over by the Ottomans. The women were raped. The men were enslaved. They did not have any freedom. So Ottoman Empire is a thing. 400 years, Greeks do not have rights. And, you know, the Ottomans didn't care about Greek culture. They didn't see any value in something like the Parthenon. Because, you know, they're trying to squash this culture. They don't want this to exist. They want it to meld into their own empire. So Thomas Bruce, a.k.a. Lord Elgin, um, ambassador to them, was like, this is the perfect time to go take that stuff. Oh, great. You know, yeah. the Ottomans don't get that this is really cool, so I want to take it. And rumor has it that he just wanted to put the marbles, like, in his living room. Like, he just thought it'd look cool. Yeah, I read about that. I yeah. read it, like, rather than just making a bust of it, he decided, I want right. the real thing. Yeah, and he was originally going to make, like, molds of it to kind of mm. recreate it. And then he's like, you know what, what if I just take it? Mm. And it's like, I can't even imagine being in the headspace where, like, you think so highly of yourself that the most beautiful art ever created should be yours and only yours, you know? And it was such a big part of that artistic intention that the marbles were gracing the Athenian skyline and that they were up there for everybody to see. I mean, this was, and that's the whole thing with the rule by the people. This wasn't about Pericles being the king, like the Persians had their king. This was about a rule and a victory for everyone alike. And that's what it stands for. And then, you know, Elgin, whatever, he's completely just (laughs) denying the point of it. And he's like, I want it for myself. So he was, like, bribing local officials and threatening these Ottomans, like, I got to get these marbles. And once again, the Ottomans don't care about it. It was being used as a sort of military base at the time. And so he pays them off, and he somehow gets his permission with some sort of legal document that's, you know, not really valid. Mm. And he marches up to the Acropolis, and he just hacks them off. He just takes them. Great. He just steals them all. Not all of them, but a good amount of them. And then he's like, okay, let's take them back home, you know? So he's... He's sailing across the seas to get back home. And half of them, like, sink to the bottom of the ocean because he wasn't taking oh, care really? of them. Oh, really? Yes. So a good amount of these marbles get lost in the ocean because he doesn't even care enough to properly transport them. And they were irreparably, irreparably damaged until they finally found him back. So he has these marbles. He's going home. But while he was away, his wife cheated on him. Mm. And this was a scandal. So, yeah, I mean, I would probably... Did you get what you deserve? I yeah. Guess, so, karma. It's called karma. It yep. is, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so his wife cheats on him, and this is really not a good look for him. Because yeah. even though he was, like, a lord and a nobleman, he, like, was not seen as highly as the others because he didn't have that much money. Most of his money was from his wife. And now he loses all this money. So he's like, shit, what am I going to do? Right. So this is the moment where he sells the marbles to the British Museum. And they've been there ever since. Sells the illegally obtained marbles yes. <laughs> to the British Museum. Illegally, unethically, all of that. They well, was it? There. They were legally obtained at the time. It's just like not a very valid contract anymore. No, it okay. was. You know, it was barely valid at the time, uh-huh. and in that the Ottoman Empire doesn't exist. Right. So any legal document made under a government that you know vanished and isn't real anymore mm. is not valid anymore. Right. So, yeah, that's how they got there. Okay. They're still there. Yeah. What's their defense for holding on to them for this long? The, so here's the the main kicker with it is, I mean, for one thing, they say that he attained them legally, and most people argue that it wasn't because he was, like, bribing and threatening in mm. order to get them. Clear extortion, but, yeah. Yeah, and then what ended up happening was uh, 
you know, it's it's become such a big symbol. So since the Greeks were not, you know, they didn't have rights. They weren't really a country anymore. They're part of Ottoman Empire. The people in Britain kind of developed this ideology that they were the inheritors of ancient Greece and that, like, all of that amazing philosophy and math and art, they were like, okay, this is ours now because there aren't really Greek people that have it anymore. Even though the Greeks were there and they were still preserving their language and their culture in secret because that's what you do when, you know, the Ottoman mm-hmm. Empire takes over. Mm-hmm. You know, the British people decided that it's theirs, which makes no sense mm-hmm. because they have no, you know, blood connection uh, the to British have people. A, British have a history doing that. They do. Yeah. They love to do that. So, um, yeah, it's been there ever since. And, you know, I, I brought this quote to read because I think it's important. So Neil McGregor was the director of the British Museum for a while. And when people were trying to get them back, he said the reason they won't is because they need to preserve the universality of the marbles and protect them from being appropriated as a nationalistic political symbol. So he's holding on to them under the guise that if they were to give them back, they'd become... Appropriated? But as we have seen (laughs) the whole point of the marbles is that they are a nationalistic symbol this is about the greek ideology the fucking point right right that's like the whole thing and mcgregor's like you know i think that they must be protected um and this sort of idea of universality is crazy because there's nothing universal about it because it was created at a time where no one else in the world was doing that right there wasn't anything universal about it like everyone else was a monarchy at best right so, I don't know, y'all. Wow. I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me that this guy was like, we stole this Greek thing, and we're going to keep it because we don't want the Greeks to use their Greek thing as a nationalistic thing. Yes. That is exactly what I'm telling you. Straight from the Damn. horse's mouth. Yeah, that's impressive. It's crazy. I also read somewhere that they part of the reason they refused to give it back is because they thought, and this was more of a th- um, for like the bronzes in Africa, yeah. is that they thought they could take better care of it. This is a great point you bring mm-hmm. up, and I'm going to tell you why. So, for a long time, the British argument, so then, you know, the Greeks eventually get their independence in 1821, and they're like, okay, we want our stuff back. And they're like, haha, no. And <laughs> yeah, uh, ratio plus L plus no, you can't have it. So um, what they do is they're like, we can take better care of this. Like, you guys, you're newly independent. You don't know what you're doing. Like, us, your, your friends that love you so much, uh, that stole all your stuff, we can take right, better yeah. care of it. And as we already saw, Elgin sank these things to the bottom of the ocean. Like, you weren't taking care of them then, and you still aren't taking care of them now. They have had a history of damaging the marbles. Mm. They were upset when they got them. They were like, these should be more white. So they started like putting nitric acid on them and scrubbing them, trying to make them appear better right. and completely damage them. Right. And another thing, they didn't have well enough ventilation in their exhibit that they had like water dripping on them and eroding them over time. Awesome. So they have never taken good care of them. Uh, yeah, they're like like a crazy divorced ex-wife, dude. Like the Br- really the are. British man, they, they just don't, <laughs> they're not paying attention. <laughs> and also with the marbles, they were initially painted, right? Yes. So making them more white is not. It doesn't make sense. Right. Like that, that's like literally changing history of what it was. Yeah, and that goes to show that like they didn't have even the care to understand what these pieces were. They just knew that they were getting some sort of you know, benefit and status out of having them. Um, So they've damaged them, Mm -hmm. 
so much. And so in around 2009, Athens, you know, they built this beautiful state-of-the-art museum. And they're like, we are going to build a better facility that will take better care of them. And they haven't given them back. And it's, it's so interesting when you walk in the museum because they have, you know, where the frieze of it would be. And the frieze is like the top part right. of the Parthenon where most of those sculptures are from. Yeah. And they have recreations of all the ones that are stolen in this stark white color. So you yes. walk in and you see that contrast and you see how much is stolen and it's a feeling unlike anything else. Mm. Um, Your Will Pulpa picture, it's those, that first one there. Or no, sorry, the second one there. This, I is, think, the, right? this is the freeze. Hold on. Let me yes. Yes. yes, So those are the sculptures from the freeze. Uh, right. These are the um, sculptures from the freeze. And then the this other is, ones are from other no, parts. No, this is on the, uh, the triangle part. What's that called? Yes, the freeze. Yes. Mm -hmm. The freeze is the one that goes around. That's like the rolling freeze. So they're, oh, they're different okay, names for all yeah, the types yeah. of them. And then you okay. have like the metaphors and whatever. But these yeah, are yeah, the yeah. main ones. Um, As you can see, they're taking great care of them. You can also <laughs> yeah, <they laughs> absolutely fantastic. destroyed they are. Yeah, killing, yeah. killing it right there. <laughs> it's rough. Yeah. It's rough. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've been to the Parthenon. Uh, it was four years ago now. Cool. So they were still doing construction then. Yes. Um, and it was pretty clear how much of it was missing. Yeah. It was very clear. Yeah. It's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. It is beautiful to see but there's clearly a lot missing there. Yes. And uh, going back really quickly to their refusal to, I, I know that they put out a little thing saying, oh, we'd be happy to do like one of those museum sharing things. Yes. But they return it for an exhibit. Yeah, and then they're like, back. but give them back after right. they're still ours. Right. Yes, they've, and that's like a little bit of progress. I mean, it's not enough, mm. but I think I have hope that within our lifetime they'll be returned. I think we're getting there. We're just not quite yet. And, you know, there, there are so many countries that have been wronged by them. There are so many things there that shouldn't be, shouldn't be called the British Museum because nothing in there is British. Right. I mean, and it's like maybe they're <laughs> used to... <laughs> maybe there used to be this sort of idea that London was a more accessible place, but it's like, okay, why should the rich white elites get to see all of these things when all of these marginalized ethnic groups have, have lost art? And personally... If I want to see the Rosetta Stone, I want to go to Egypt. Right. You know, I want to immerse myself in that culture if I really care about it. And I think that's the same with the Parthenon marbles. I mean, if, if you want to, if you care about history, if you care about artwork, then you want to see it in its intended place. Um, and once again, it just, it goes to show they don't really care about it much. They care about an idea of status and they care about money because it this exhibit in particular brings them the most money every single year. They get millions of dollars every year from people going there to see something from Greece. And that's a huge issue. Right. And the same goes for, we were talking about the bronzes earlier, yes. too. Um, I was watching an interview about someone from one of the countries where they were taken from, and he mm -hmm. was explaining how difficult it is for the people that live in those countries to go to London to right. see this in the yeah. British Museum. He was, And their excuse is, well... We have it, the British Museum's excuse is, we have it laid out so everyone can see it, everyone can see all this culture. Yeah. And then the guy's like, yeah, but we can. Yeah. <laughs> we like, can't get there. We can't right. go and see our own culture. Like, your own ancestors yeah. built yeah. these things for you, and you can't afford to go see it. Exactly. I mean, it's, and like, I have, you know, I'm <coughs> privileged to have had the opportunity to go to Greece and visit my family every year since I was like five. Mm. I've seen the Parthenon so many times. Once again, that's a huge privilege, and I'm thankful for that. But I've never seen the marbles, and, you know, that's, that's a problem. 
for the people, the inheritors of that culture, of that philosophy, they, you know, it was built for them. And it's not to say that we shouldn't all appreciate it. It's not to say that we shouldn't all recognize the value. But at the end of the day, who was this art really built for? And it wasn't built for Lord Elgin, and it wasn't built for Neil McGregor, and it wasn't built for Lord Duveen, the museum curator who went against the whole idea of the artistic design of the Parthenon in order to put it up in the British Museum. It wasn't for him either. And, you know, they're the ones who get to see it, which is... Right. I think a good way to show this is, um, it's like the lonely sister, let me pull this up really quick for you guys, yes. is that there's the... Karyat, karyatid, karyatid? Yeah. Yes. So this is another one that's specifically upsetting. Yeah. Uh, another building in the Periculean building program was the Erechtheion. And it's really interesting because the columns are these women, the Karyatides, which means like maidens. And the British Museum took one of them. So when you go to the Acropolis Museum, you know, there's there are these beautiful statues, but then there's that space. Yep. And it's so sad. And, you know, they say, like, she's lonely. She's away from her family in a way. And of course, you know, if you're not into art, it can feel dumb to personify it that way. Right. But it, it really is so upsetting to see her all alone. And, you know, they should be reunified and they should be together. Yeah, and um, they made it pretty clear with the setup of this exhibit that there's yes. one missing. Yep. Yes. Yes. There's, yes. you know, no Greeks are hiding that they want them back. Right, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Do you see the British Museum returning these anytime soon? I think they might, but it's gonna take more um, more people talking about it. It's sort of, you know, when the Greeks were first independent, there was an idea of wanting them back, but when you're a newly freed nation, you've got a lot of things to worry about, and, you know, that just can't be at the top of your list when you have to rebuild a government and yeah. a society. Yeah, we just talked to a student body president who said he has no time, so we, we yeah. can imagine what it's like trying to it's rebuild hard. Greece at the time. Right. <laughs> it's definitely a challenge. Yeah. Um, and then... You know, there wasn't too much talk about it until Melina Mercuri. She was a Greek singer and actress who rose to fame. Um, and she dedicated her, you know, the entire latter half of her life to trying to get the marbles back. She became the Minister of Culture for Greece. So she was the first one that got the ball rolling again on wanting them home. And I also have a quote from her because I think that, you know, to anyone who's not Greek, this is a good way of understanding why it matters. I'm so happy you brought quotes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so she said, you must understand what the Parthenon marbles mean to us. They are our pride. They are our sacrifices. They are our noblest symbol of excellence. They are a tribute to the democratic philosophy. They are our aspirations and our name. They are the essence of Greekness. Mm. And I, I mean, there's, I could talk in circles for hours trying to get to that. And I think that's such a beautifully put representation of how the Greeks view these marbles and why we want them back. Which is the exact defense the British Museum's using against it. Yes. We don't want to turn them into a nationalized item. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, 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 like, it's mind-boggling to me to even try to understand them like still having them and still using those arguments. And once again, Greece is one of countless nations that are suffering from this. Uh, and it's, it's going to be a long time. I think the marbles would be the first to go. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully after that, other things would start getting returned. Yeah. Unfortunately, I can't see the British Museum giving up the bronzes anytime soon. No. Because their defense has been consistent for the last 30 years now. They've been yeah. saying these countries aren't capable of taking care of them. Yeah. And unfortunately, current 
the, the news, for example, has made it look like they're they're right. I mean, there's a lot going on in Africa right now. It's developing mm-hmm. so rapidly. Yeah. Um, Greece is obviously much more stable than many of yes. the countries that the bronzes are originally from. Right. Uh, it would be really nice, though, to see those artifacts go back to Africa because, as we already said, I mean, a lot of the people that live there, they they can't make the trek to yeah. London as it's as fun. easily as people from Greece can, yes. even though, obviously, it'd be nice to not have to make any trek. Um <laughs> But I, I just don't see the British Museum giving up yeah. artifacts of that of that content um, yeah. anytime soon. The bronzes you know? are a rough one. I think that yep. there's just, you know, the, the lucky thing for Greece is that people do talk about the marbles, mm. but the bronzes are talked about so much less. Yeah. And, you know, similarly with the Rosetta Stone, there's not nearly as much dialogue <coughs> on that as there are with the marbles. Yeah. And... You know, it's which is interesting. The Rosetta Stone is one of the most yeah. important artifacts in the world. It is. It might be the most important artifact in the world. I mean, yeah. it has a very clear purpose, yes. which is rare for an artifact mm-hmm. of, of that of that um, that that content. Um, yeah. Also, additionally, like you see the marbles, they are quite literally on a building on the top of the hill in the center yeah. of Greece. So it's clear where they're missing from. Yes. But you get things like the bronzes, like. Nobody really knows where in the country they're from. Right. And that's why it's more difficult because you can't have as clear of an argument, Mm. even though, like, to anyone with half a heart, you'll see that it should go back. Right. Um, You know, it's a lot harder to articulate that as concisely. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's... I'm taking a course on Greco-Roman Egypt right now, and we had a lot of time talking about the Rosetta Stone, and my professor is actually British. Uh, and yeah. For the record, he says the marbles should go back. Okay, just but to make sure. I, yes, but I asked him about the Rosetta Stone, and he's like, I don't think it ever will. Um, you know, there, and he does think that the marbles probably will, but there's really no hope for the Rosetta Stone. Why is that? I think that, you know, when it was discovered and the hieroglyphics were figured out by, I mean, I, I'm not 100% sure. I think it was British people, though. Mm-hmm. I think that they can make a little bit more of a claim to them making it accessible. I obviously still think that is wrong, but I think it is a little bit easier to argue that. I mean, he was the one that made it in the first place. <laughs> like, right. yeah, they uh, probably knew what they were doing. So. <laughs> and, you know, there's a joke I love that's the only reason the pyramids are still in Egypt because they're too heavy to take to the British Museum. That's funny. <laughs> that is funny. And it's probably true. <laughs> it really, I mean, I'm sure they would have taken the whole Parthenon if they could. But, yeah, yeah. You know. And I'm sure they've got pieces of the muse- of the uh, pyramids there too. It's not like yeah, yeah I mean they've got everything except those, their own stuff. Those pyramids are crazy. Yeah. Have you have you ever read about like where those stones came from? They came no. from 500 miles away from where these three ton stones came from. Hundreds of miles from where the pyramids are. Crazy. It is crazy the the effort that went into make the time that went into making these things yeah. and how massive they are. And their purpose too is yeah. literally just as a burial site. It's really interesting. I can promise yeah. you that the British Museum would have picked that shit they up. They would have loved that. Put it in their pocket if they yeah. could. Yeah. I mean, it's antiquity is such a fascinating time. I mean, I've, I've, I'm studying classics, and I'm really mm-hmm. happy I am. At first, I was like, I'm never going to get a job. But then I was like, you know what? I like learning about this, and I think it's important. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, you know, these, these are such amazing pieces of art, and you don't see those sorts of things happening today. And, like, I mean, this is a time where, like, math was invented like that yeah. wasn't a thing yeah yet. like that's crazy mm-hmm. and it's it's it is honestly insane and you know with with the marbles with the pyramids the rosetta stone the bronzes whatever it is you know this was a period of inspiration and innovation 
unlike anything we will ever see again yeah. or we have seen for centuries. And of course, once again, it's, it's important that these things are accessible. The British Museum thinks they're making them accessible, but it's more important that they're accessible to those people and those groups. Right. Um, they're taking more of a um, utilitarianism yeah. perspective there. They're making it accept accessible to the most amount of people. Yeah. It's not necessarily the people it matters to. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really is not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mm-hmm. and you know it's there's so many issues with museums that you don't really re- it takes like one article to read that like this is a weird business. Oh this yeah. Is a dirty business. Very dirty business. I mean, they acquired everything. Yeah. How long ago, and they've just yeah. been circulating among themselves since. Yeah, yeah. and I um. I had to do a project on these mummy portraits from Egypt. And I went to the MFA, and they have a couple there, and they're beautiful. But, and most of the, so it was a like Greco Roman style of art. And so, you know, people think, first of all, it's a major issue that we think of mummies. It's like a scary Halloween thing, because mm. this is like a really important spiritual ritual yep. for an ethnic yep. group of people. <laughs> but um, how it would work back then is, you know, you have someone, you're mummifying them, and they would make these beautiful portraits of their faces laid over their head, and they were bandaged in with the wrapping. And then you have several layers of the coffin, and then, you know, you bury it, whatever. So, not whatever, you know what I mean. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the point of these paintings was only to be seen by the divine. This was a sacred spiritual ritual and it's not meant for us. And it's interesting when you see the layers of the mummy because each one gets more decorated and more intricate as you go mm-hmm. because it's more and more, like, it's it's less people seeing it. And right. it was really important that only those gods that they believed in would see that and that they would look, you know, you have these beautiful pieces of art on their caskets symbolizing their accomplishments in their life. Right. And, you know, that was supposed to c- protect them in the afterlife so that the divine would look favorably on them. <coughs> and... That's- you know, to, to walk into a museum, to give some guy a couple dollars to go look at a glass case with a dead body in it, I mean... But you feel pretty divine by that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Great, that's what we need. Yeah, I mean, it's just... It is, it is a sort of sadness that is really hard to articulate. Um, and, you know, that for me, like, looking at that mummy and looking at something that was never intended for my eyes to see, you know, you, you feel a sort of guilt. You know, if you're someone that cares about art and that cares about these people, you feel a sort of guilt. And, you know, there's none of that with these British people. And they have plenty of mummy portraits in the British Museum as well. And it's like, for you, Neil McGregor, to be profiting and making money off of putting dead bodies in glass cases, I mean, it's, it is messed up to a whole new level. Um, yeah. Don't even mention the, the grave robbers that went through to get it, too. Yes. Yes. I mean, that was a whole industry. The, yeah. not, not so much anymore, but it was a huge industry back yeah. then. It was like, why? Why? Like, yeah. you you go ruin an ancient site and then, like, sell it off to a museum. Yeah. And really, the thing about really that, too, is not... It's like the British Museum is like <coughs> notorious for doing this because at the MFA in Boston they have a bunch of Egyptian artifacts, yes. but they got them because they cooperated with the uh, <laughs> Dean. They cooperated with the uh, Egyptian government and helped them excavate, and then the Egyptian government gave them some stuff, which they don't do anymore because yeah. like it's Egyptian stuff. Right. Right. But like there are more ethical ways of getting things yes. than just like stealing it because. 
a country's not powerful at a time. Yeah, and again, with Egypt, the same as Greece, when you're a newly freed nation, I mean, you need money, and you yeah. need a way to get back up on your feet. And, you know, it's, it's so bizarre because these classicists and these British people and whoever it may be, they're obsessed with this idea of detaching the ancient and modern peoples of one ethnicity. And you see that with Greeks, and I'm only more familiar with it because I am Greek, but it's, it's common with all of these different people. And, you know, the, the people inheriting that culture, that's the Greeks, that's us. And they try to make it even seem, and I think this is real with Egyptians, you feel like Egyptian people aren't really even out there anymore. You know, you think of the Greeks and the Egyptians as some ancient civilization, and no one focuses on their modern culture and history, which is so intertwined with the ancient. And what I've loved so much about studying ancient Greece is all of the connections I see to modern Greece and how this is, you know, one group of people that has done so many amazing things over a period of time and held those values so strongly. And that's the same with the Egyptians. And yet we have this idea that, you know, Egypt is a dead society. We have these pyramids and we have these scary mummies that are going to be our Halloween costumes. And we don't think of them as living, breathing people that are still carrying that with them every single day. That was a lot. That was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. No, 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 you're spot on. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> and also to your point that um, this was a little bit earlier too, that they were very much focused on, you know, rebuilding their empire instead of mm-hmm. being able to protect their art. Um, there was no Marshall Plan back yeah. then when they no, were doing was that. <laughs> the United States was not there to, for some reason, give them $30 billion. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I can definitely see um, it being difficult to preserve that culture. Know, yeah. while they were doing that how is the on on that note how has the the current culture and like the what we think of as ancient greek culture what are the some of the similarities and differences that have like stuck around changed yeah so one that i think is really interesting is looking at the language um and what i love is you know so obviously you know you have the ancient greek gods who are seen in things like the parthenon and the greeks did shift to christianity and that orthodox byzantine sort of empire and um but a lot of the language is still the same for, you know, different people of prominence in those spiritual contexts, which I think is really beautiful. Like archon was a word for people who were in charge of religious ceremonies in ancient Greece. And that's the word we still use for Greek Orthodox people who are, you know, taking on that role in their lives to work towards their spiritual Greek community. So, and a really big issue with that is, um, you know, if you go take an ancient Greek class at Boston College today, they're going to mispronounce everything because mm. they use this sort of dialect from, you know, the same people like Elgin who stole all the Greek stuff. They stole the language, too. Right. And then they completely changed all of it and they butchered it. So, like, the word psychi, which means soul in Greek, they're going to tell you it's pronounced sukai if you go take a class. Really? So they stole everything down to our words and our language. Uh-huh. And it's just, you know, so you see with that language, all of that continuity... And you see it with the artwork, too. There's a beautiful um, national art gallery in Athens. And every single floor you go up, it goes from older to more modern artwork. So, you know, I walk around the first floor and then I go up to the second. And you see these developments and the culture, but you also see that those same core values held. Those going back to that democratic philosophy that Melina Medkudi talked about. I mean, there's a real, um, there's a real appreciation for beauty among the Greek perspective. And, you know, you see that with Pericles and you see that now. Um, and I, I think it's a wonderful thing, so. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, it's crazy how cultures change over time, especially as you mentioned, um, <laughs> Greece didn't exist <laughs> for yeah, a long right. period in there. How did they how did they protect the culture like that? You said they practiced in secret, but how yes. how does that work? How do you protect a culture under an oppressive regime? I mean, you know, a, a big part with the Ottomans coming in was it was this fight of Christianity. So mm. the Greeks were Christian at the time, and you know, the Ottomans were Muslim and I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Hagia Sophia. So, you know, Constantinople no, no. was like you oh, know, the oh, center yeah. of the Byzantine mm. Empire. And the main church there was the Hagia Sophia, um, which means oh, like yeah. wisdom in Greek. And the Hagia Sophia was like the Vatican for the Orthodox okay. Christians. You know, I mean, it was this beautiful, gigantic church where all Greek Orthodox yeah, people could come and worship together. And yeah, I think the most similar understanding is like the Vatican. That's beautiful. So what happened was the Ottomans came in and they turned it into a mosque. So you see up you there see they have okay. the Islamic artwork yeah. covering up the Greek art. But the really interesting thing is that all of the iconography in that church was mosaic. So no matter how hard they tried to get rid of the icons, they couldn't because right. it was literally built into the walls. Right. So, um, yeah, it was. this was a major controversy, controversy with them turning it into a mosque. Um, and so... Greeks did have to practice their religion and keep their language alive in secret. Okay. Um, and, you know, that's the same with, like, the Cyprus controversy today. You know, there's all this history of, you know, that tension with Greece and Turkey and that you couldn't outwardly be an Orthodox Christian. And, you know, Greek Orthodoxy is an ethnic religion. It is very intertwined with the culture. You know, like, Catholicism is universalizing, so you can have a lot of different people from cultures practicing mm. it. But with the Greek branch of Orthodoxy, these are inseparable. Okay. Um, and so with that church, you know, it was rough. And now Greeks actually, a couple of years ago, Erdogan, the current president of mm. Turkey, uh, they used to have like half icons showing and half um, Muslim artwork showing. So it was like a UNESCO cultural heritage site. Right. So they're like, this is so important. Like people should see both sides of the history. Cause you know, as well, the Islamic art is beautiful, um, right. but it shouldn't be covering up the Greek art. And they recently made it completely a mosque and they don't allow Orthodox Christians to worship there anymore. Really? Yes. How recent is that? A couple years. Wow. I think I was a sophomore or a junior in high school. Oh, very happened. recent, very recent. Yes. Okay. Um, so, you know, that's another example. So as that history continued, you know, Ottomans come in, that's when the marbles were taken, but this is a span of 400 years. Right. So then you also have these religious tensions happening. And, Turkey's um, been making some controversial moves for oh, centuries yes, they now. Have. <laughs> okay, yeah, here we go. So, um, mm. oh, 2020. 2020. Wow. There you go. Yeah, yeah, junior year. Yeah, that. There you That's go. crazy. Um, yeah, so there's there's a multitude of injustices happening. And, you know, again, there's so many different cultures suffering from this. And, like, as silly mm. as it sounds to someone who isn't in the same position, like, I can tell you honestly, most days I think about this, and most days I'm upset that those marbles are in Britain. And it's, it's, it's hard to get if it's not your culture or your people doing it, but, yeah, it's, it's a frequent day ruiner. Yeah. <laughs> As I'm studying the classics and I learn about more things that shouldn't be in the British Museum, it just sucks. Put it into perspective for the average American. Yeah. <laughs> what if France took the Statue of Liberty back? 
That you'd be, be fucking crazy. pissed. <laughs> you, you'd that be is fucking such a pissed. Good point. <laughs> right. You would not be happy. Uh-uh. This cannot be a nationalistic symbol. This has nothing to do uh-uh. with America. No, it's uh-uh. literally like Iwo Jima just being like picked up, put somewhere else. And yeah. they're like, no, we can take care of it better because you left it outside. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yep. it's crazy. Like a war would start. <laughs> like actually, like yeah. a literal war would actually, start over yeah. that. You know, like on the surface, the Statue of Liberty is a piece of metal, but... Yes. I mean, how long has it been here for? How many people and how many Americans have seen it? Every yeah. one of them. So, yeah. no, I see I see exactly what you're saying. It's crazy. It is <laughs> yep. crazy stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, what other museums are notorious for this? I mean, like, obviously the British Museum. I'm sure, like, the Met- the Metropolitan. Yes. Probably. The Met has yep. also got a lot of stuff they shouldn't have. Yep. I mean, pretty much every important archaeological museum has things like this. Uh, yeah, the Met's another big one, mm-hmm. British Museum, but you know, London takes the cake. Yeah, for the injustice. One hundred percent. They do. The museum <laughs> you were talking about it a little bit earlier. The museum industry is so funny. It's so yeah, funny. It's interesting. Isn't it? Yeah, it's very interesting. Like we said, it's all built on stolen works. Yes. For the most part, I mean, obviously, there's some new stuff that comes in, but like that's not yeah, what people go see. Yeah, but it's not in see. those sorts of places. Right. Not in an archaeological museum. Right. And you know, you can have modern art galleries. And those are beautiful, but there's this sort of glamour with the stuff from antiquity. Yeah. Um, which is why they steal them. So. That's why they take them. Yeah. That's why they take why them. Not? I could make money off of this. I'm just saying. I should take them. <laughs> how does the how does that work? So they make they have to sell stuff on occasion. I know to yes, stay open. The art dealing industry is something whack. else. Um, and y- yeah, it's it goes back to this sort of ideology that Elgin had. That's like you think of yourself a certain way and you think that you deserve to have these things. And like, there was an instance a couple years back with someone buying this Botticelli painting to put in their living room. And it's like, Botticelli, if I'm not mistaken, wanted his art to be in public places, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of his art was supposed to be this reflection of the divine. And I think he would be pretty pissed if there were rich people buying his paintings and hanging them in his living room. Yeah, And they shouldn't be because... You know, if if something is intended to be viewed by a lot of people and accessible, again, we get back to this idea of accessibility. You know, the British Museum thinks they're making the bronzes more accessible, except people from Africa can barely go see them. Right. And so you have all these people that are somehow getting their hands on these pieces of artwork, and then they're going to do whatever they can to make the most money from yeah. it. And that's also another issue with, you know, there's so many really talented artists out there and they can't get their work in museums because there's a strong nepotism going on with that industry and with what gets to be put in museums and who gets to have them and which museum gets it this year but which one gets it the next. It's a very gate-kept industry. Yes. That much is true. I mean, a great fucking example is Banksy, right? Uh, do you know Banksy? Oh, yeah. 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 So his whole shtick is he does not like, well, obviously, his stuff to be in museums. It's like... Yeah. He does graffiti, pretty much. That's his mm-hmm. whole shtick. So when they sold one of his paintings to go into a museum, he actively destroyed it after the bidding wow. was done, which ironically increased its value tenfold. I'm so sure that it was right. like so <laughs> like went in someone's living room anyway. But that's but still pretty badass. Like the only way he was able to get his stuff well known was because he was so against it. Yeah. So still, it seems like the only way you can get into the industry is by having your stuff forcefully put into it. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. And on that note, mm-hmm. uh, I have this little fact from The Verge. Yeah, hit me. Uh, it says that 
85 to 90% of classical and certain other types of artifacts on the market do not have documented provenance. <laughs> so they were literally just sold across a bunch of private collectors that yeah. took it from somewhere, and now it ended up in a museum. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. 85 Love to 90%. I'll tell you that I other mean, 10% is just not interesting either. <laughs> that's, that's the stuff <laughs> yeah. that no one looks at. <laughs> yeah. Literally. That's I the mean, stuff in the back room. Gosh, it is it is crazy. And yeah, it's uh, the the art dealers and that whole idea of thinking that, you know, and classic specifically is, like I said, with making that language barrier. So the fact that Greek people can't learn this language mm. that's their own, you know, that's one of their greatest means of gatekeeping a culture from that actual group. Yeah. And they do that with the Egyptians as well, and they do that with all these sorts of people. Once again, I'm more familiar with the Greek. They purposely are making it so that we can't have our own stuff, whether it's our artwork, whether it's our language, whatever it is, they want to make sure they can do whatever they can to keep it because they don't have their own cool stuff. So, <laughs> that they know. are lame. They, they are, are lame. lame. Actually, yeah, Britain that's what is they are. lame. Yeah. Uh, but really, I mean, what, you're going to take over a ton of countries and steal their stuff because you don't have anything? Yeah. Like, then maybe you shouldn't be in the museum business. Right. You've got nothing cool to show. I'm just saying. So, I mean, what's up with tourism if you got nothing to tour? You know <laughs> exactly. what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. No tours to give. No, their history of imperialism, I mean, they've touched obviously every quarter. The sun the never sets on the sun British never Empire. Set. It still Uh-oh. doesn't, actually. They still have some really? islands. Yeah. The sun still does not set on the British Empire. What, what islands do they have? Who do they have now? Like, pretty much I, most of, obviously, their territory is independent at this point. Yes, they do but. have islands somewhere. I have a little cousin who's, like, obsessed with historical fun facts, and okay. this one is his favorite. I'm not sure which they are, though. Current. Well, all right. You we'll, can look at Let's see what we got, Will. Um... Bermuda, I forgot oh my they God, got Bermuda. There's so many. Yeah, Cayman Islands, Virgin Holy Islands. I'm saying. Fuck, yeah, Wait, this is all. That's crazy. You guys keep talking. I'm going to list these off. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, wait, here <laughs> we go. Anguilla, Bermuda. If I botch these names, I'm sorry. Anguilla, Bermuda, British Antarctic Territory, okay. British Indian Ocean Territory, British Virgin Islands, Cayman Islands, Falkland Islands, Gibraltar, Montserrat, Pitcairn. Henderson, Ducey, and Oeno Islands. Fucking killed it, Will. <laughs> and more. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, they got the and Sandwich more. Islands, too. That's funny. St. Helena Dependencies, <coughs> or Helena, I don't know. Turks South and Georgia and South Sandwich Islands. So- sovereign Base, okay, Cyprus. It's damn right? part of Greece. <laughs> yeah, that was And the Turks issue. and That's Caicos Islands. <laughs> really? That's great. Yeah, Cyprus they, is a whole other They group. have control of Cyprus. Yeah. Really? And Cyprus is oh still my God. divided. Wow. It's know. half Greek and half Turkish, and there's a lot of political controversy with Cyprus. Hmm. Um, once again, that's that's another conversation. For I did time. not know that. But that's yeah. really interesting. The more you know. The more you know. Yeah. yeah the, the more Everything you know. Everything is British. Yeah. Sun, sun never set on the British Empire. Never does. There's only like a few British people I like, and it's the Beatles <laughs> and then Lord Byron. <laughs> Lord Byron was this artist. Well, he was like a poet, and mm. he was this British guy. And then he left Britain to dedicate his life to Greece, okay. and he actually died in a war for Greece. He dedicated everything to them. Wow. So they call him a Philhellene, a friend of Greece. He's awesome. He has a great poem about the marbles and how they are, <coughs> you know. Unethically and right obtained. So, yeah. yeah, and I have a I have a map here of their current territories, and you can see how it like literally is across the entire yeah, world. Yeah, they still got yeah. it. that's ridiculous. They still got it. <laughs> They're still on top of it. They are. They have that and all the important artwork in the yeah. world. It's great. It's funny how fucking tiny the UK is too. They just yeah. like they took everything. Wow. They just, 
Like, man, they really fell off. They kind of peaked. I'm just saying. You need to be that guy. And I hope they fall off even more. Yeah, that's too shame. I am praying on their death. No. I am praying only. <laughs> no, okay. I will set the record straight. If they give the marbles back, I will never shit talk Britain again. I swear. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> you can shit talk their soccer teams. Like, they got a weird obsession. I'm just saying. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, no. <laughs> anyway, no, that is a crazy history. That is it a crazy is. history. It's wild. And, I mean, territorial disputes aren't really that big a thing anymore, obviously. Yeah. We're pretty set in stone. We're happy yeah. with where we are. For other, sure. th- other than Russia. Uh, <laughs> which is a totally different conversation. Yeah. Um, but it is crazy that it's so recent. This history is yeah. very recent. I mean, when did their last, like, official territory gain independence? Um, the 50s, I think, right? Wow. Yeah, look that well, up. Egypt was around the middle of the 1900s. I mean, yeah. a lot of these Egypt countries. Egypt gained a lot of power really quickly. Yeah. That, that they did, yeah. Um, independence from UK. Here we go. 84. Wow, Brunei. 1984. Wow. There you go. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. They actually owned yeah. everything. Um, <laughs> it is really recent, though. It, it is. is crazy how recent it is. It's crazy yeah. how quickly the world developed. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, we were, like, all very yeah. mature, you yeah. know? Definitely. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, the, the British history and seeing how all these different nations interacted and how those people responded to these things, it's fascinating. And, like, the Parthenon marbles, whether they come back to Greece or not, there's always going to be this important part of history and understanding how did they get to Britain. And, you know, it, that all comes back to the Ottomans. And you have all these different political things going on. And, you know, they're all important to what they mean, what is their significance, what is their relevance. Mm-hmm. And something I find interesting is there was a recent poll among, you know, the British. And more than not said that the marbles should go home. So your average British person doesn't even think they should be there. Right. You know, at this point it's really just a game of politics and a game of money and it's not really even like it's not important to the majority of your average british people i'm just gonna say i'm gonna go off on a limb and say that the majority of the british people don't know what they are that's that's the main thing yeah people don't understand yeah and that's a whole other issue and once again that goes back to their argument of well you know we're gonna make sure that this is relevant whatever but it's also a whole other thing because people don't care enough about classical history. Mm-hmm. They don't care enough about that period of time and how that is still so connected to today. And I, I hope that, and you know, it's like I'm studying classics. There aren't that many classics major. Same people are in every one of my classes. Yeah. And most of them are not Greek and they're not Egyptian and they're not, you know, so it's, it's still being gatekept and it's still, you know, I mean, it's upset. Yeah. <laughs> also, I just found this map really shows like the modernity of this issue we are like the only country that got independence from great britain before like 1930 these are all in the past century and you can literally see how this is like the whole world like there are there are still currently veterans from world war ii uh living of living among us almost all of these countries gained independence since then yeah which is crazy it is. Um, and we considered ourselves pretty modernized after World War One. Yeah. Um, and I mean that was eighty years ago now. Yeah. So World War One was a hundred years ago. So that's crazy. But okay. I think we're running out of time. We said forty five. Um, thank you that's so right. much for coming. Thank you for having me. If you want to plug something, feel free. <laughs> plug your Instagram <laughs> uh, handle. Yeah, free cloud, bro. If you guys are dying to follow Melina Piperis on Instagram, you can. I post a lot about the marbles. If you ever want updates, it'll normally be on my story. But <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you so much for coming, Thanks Melina. Thanks for having me. Super. And uh, 
Thank you to all of our listeners. Until next time. Yeah.